Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. I mean, as doctors, like, I mean, everybody I went to medical school with, and I mean, your goal is to help people. Our understanding growing up is like the way to be a doctor is to go to medical school. And then once you're there, if you start disagreeing with what's being taught, you're not going to make it very far. You kind of have to embrace it to make it. I mean, I definitely going through it was not like thinking that this is all being taught from like a pharmaceutical profit perspective, but at the end of the day, most of it was. Hey, what's going on, friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We have a fun one today, my friends. I loved this doctor that we were talking to. As we got along in the podcast, you could just see this side of him come out that is so done with the stuff going on in these major industries in this world um, of healthcare. And it's not addressing the whole person. It's not doing justice to people with chronic health issues. And he's not afraid to say it. And it's one thing hearing it from someone maybe that's an unlicensed practitioner, no matter how intelligent they are or how well-read they are. If they're not licensed, I get that it can be hard to listen to. But what are you going to tell a guy like this who went to NYU, who is an MD, who switched to the functional side and still thinks there is a lot of uh, stinky business going on in certain industries in the healthcare space. So we'll talk about that today. His name's Dr. Peter, Kozlo uh, Peter Kozlowski, and he uses a broad array of tools to find the source of the body's dysfunction. He takes the time to listen to his patients and plots their history on a timeline, considering what makes them unique and co-creating with them a truly individualized care plan. Currently, he works with patients online and in person, which I thought was cool, via his Chicago, Illinois, and uh, Bozeman, Montana-based offices. Dr. Kozlowski did his residency in family practice, but started training in functional medicine as an intern. Listen who he trained under. He trained in the clinics with leaders in his field, including Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Deepak Chopra, and Dr. Susan Blum. So this was someone who was already getting into this about 10 years ago, and I understand that that doesn't sound particularly long, but for those that might not be aware or, um, or who are kind of new to the space, naturopathic medicine has been around for a while. To be a functional medicine doctor with that traditional MD type of background, that is relatively new. So Dr. Kozlowski was one of the people pioneering the way, and I think that's why this was such a great interview. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, Dr. Koz, thanks so much for being here with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Now, this is cool because we interview a lot of functional diagnostic nutri uh, nutrition practitioners on the show, but as we've grown more and more, that's when we've really spread out and have started interviewing all types of functional medicine practitioners. And I think just reading some of the stuff in your bio, like training with Dr. Mark Hyman and stuff, that's, I mean, that's big names in the space. And I think we'll be able to get some great insight from you today, which I'm excited for. But during the podcast, we always like to start with the personal health journey if the person's been on one. And I know that, you know, you and I briefly had just talked before and yeah, there's definitely something there and something that I can relate to, at least in concept. So um, 
I don't know if it's appropriate to word the question in the same way that I normally do, because I typically ask, you know, when did your health issues start and what did they look like? So maybe we could just talk about what some of your issues in general looked like, if that's okay. Um, sure. I'd say they probably started when I was like 12 or 13, um, in just not feeling good enough, um, and feeling like an outcast. And my parents are immigrants from Poland and I'm a first generation American. I basically like, taught my parents how to speak English. Um, and I grew up in a very like American neighborhood in Chicago and just never felt like I fit in. Um, and the funny thing is like physically I didn't have really symptoms, right? I didn't have abdominal pain or joint pain or eczema but mentally I was a mess and I didn't know it. And that's the other funny thing to me is like, I thought I had it all figured out. Like I thought I was like God's gift to earth. I um, thought I was smart, athletic, like I knew what I was doing, all this stuff. Um, And then I found alcohol. And so alcohol was kind of like my magic cure and then my downfall. And because alcohol took away all my insecurities. And the first time I drank was in freshman year of high school or eighth grade. And it just was like magic. And I drank regularly, like on the weekends, binge drinking uh, through high school, college, um, medical school. And then I got to residency as a family practice doctor and I tried to stop drinking. And I had no clue what to do. I had no clue how to handle life, um, how I fit in, what to do, how to deal with my emotions and my feelings. Um, And I ended up in a uh, treatment program, like basically like rehab, and uh, started to figure things out. Um, So yeah, I I generally didn't, I, I mean, I did not have physical symptoms, but on top of it, I also thought I had it all figured out <laughs> and that came crashing down very quickly. And I realized I had a lot of issues that I was kind of running and hiding from. Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate your transparency right from the get-go. And I actually, um, I don't know if I want to use the word love. I liked that you described the alcohol uses. It's a magic thing because when we talk about, and people on this podcast already know, I have an episode myself on and I talk about it very openly. I dealt with substance abuse issues myself uh, that were preceding pretty severe mental health issues um, or preceded by, I'm sorry, pretty severe mental health issues. And you know, when people talk about substance abuse or addiction or whatever, they always talk about just the bad stuff. Guys, we wouldn't have gotten to that place if it wasn't really good at one point. And yeah, for me, when I took that anti-anxiety medication off the street for the first time, it was one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life because every problem that I had that I might not have realized that I had, like you said, just went away. I mean, from shoulder pain to lack of confidence to everything, gone. I was like, whoa. And so, yeah, first of all, I think that just shows how intelligent you are to the fact that you were able to maintain this while going through um, residency and medical school. So uh, we definitely have a sharp person on the uh, podcast, that's for sure. Now, when you're trying to deal with this stuff for the first time, I know that you went to treatment and stuff. I mean, was that it? Because I know people end up in and out of these things a lot. Like, were you able to kind of resolve this in one go? No. No, I definitely relapse is definitely part of my story. And, and 
I think it's it, that's for a couple reasons, and it, one is because I really didn't think I had a problem going along with kind of what you were saying. Like I just made it through medical school. I got into residency. Like I was extremely successful. So I, I kind of got forced into it. Um, and I just didn't believe I had an issue. Like I had gotten a DUI in my past. And because of that, I had to prove that I didn't have a problem. And that's kind of how I ended up in treatment that I couldn't really justify that I didn't have a problem. But in my mind, I still I don't think I was not convinced um, at all, but I was an intern in residency. I had to get back to residency. Um, so I accepted it. I did everything I was told. I went to meetings. I got a therapist. I, I followed all the rules and, and was sober. But I, in knowing, I mean, to me, not believing it was an issue. I definitely had relapses. And, uh, you know, that that's the story for a lot of people with addiction. It's not everybody's story. Um, but it was definitely mine. Um, and part of that too was I'm very much a checklist person. Like I like to write down goals. Like I want to write a book or I want to start my own practice or whatever, or I want to get sober and, and do well in recovery. And I treated recovery kind of as something to check off my list. And, uh, I did it. I was very good at it. And then when I checked it off, it all fell apart. Okay. I got to ask you, I'll, we'll come back to the, well, I guess this would make more sense in order. When do you finally get to the point? Because I mean, and if it's not, that's totally okay. But I would assume that doing what you're doing now, this has been, you know, at least put somewhat under control. I mean, when does it get to the point where you get this handled? Uh, it's been a number of years now. Um, okay. Great. And, you know, it, it was, you know, I, I basically like went like a couple years sober with a short relapse and then a couple years sober with a short relapse. And uh so the majority of the last 10 years, I've spent most of my life sober, um, just not 100%. But it's been a number of years now since since I've, I guess, you know, I, I don't want to say I put it behind me because I don't think we ever put it behind us. But at least it, it's something that um, right now is in remission and something that I work on every day. Fair enough. Thanks again for uh, sharing that. So sure. right, now I'll rewind a little bit because I'm curious, what was your motivation to get into medical school? Like even just a regular type of uh, medicine to begin with, because was that just, Hey, I'm a smart guy. I'm a high achiever. Or was there a reason for it? Or a different reason? There was two big things that happened in my life. Um, one, my parents are both doctors. Um, they don't both practice in America. They were both doctors in Poland. My mom's a pediatrician in the States. My dad uh, did not uh, go back to residency. Basically, when they immigrated, it was they had to take all their USMLE exams again. And uh, it was supposed to take my mom three years, and it took her seven years, um, a lot due to the language issues. And by the time seven years had passed, my dad had been working in a factory and was like, I don't remember enough and never went back to medicine. Um, his, his dad, his sister, my mom's sister, there's a lot of doctors in my family. So it was always something I was interested in. Um, but I went to Arizona State for college um, 
strictly because of the palm trees and the partying. So, and my parents didn't really influence me. They were just like, you know, they, they, same thing. They saw the campus and they were like, this looks great. You should do, you should go here. Um, and I started as a pre-med and chemistry class Monday, Wednesday, Friday at eight 40 in the morning. And I was having a hard time making it to that Friday class because Thursday was the big night at school. And all my friends didn't have the same issue because they were all in business school and business school was closed on Fridays. Um, so halfway through my freshman year, I switched majors and I became a business major and I got an economics degree with a minor in psychology. Um, so did internships in the business world. When I was getting towards the end of college, um, my parents really wanted me to get like a, a higher degree than just the college undergrad. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so what I did instead for the meantime is I booked a one-way ticket to Barcelona, Spain and spent a year in Barcelona studying Spanish, um, bartending, playing semi-professional rugby, um, also feeding into the alcohol issues, but still getting through everything. Um, but during my senior year of college, my best friend came back from spring break like feeling fatigued with a weird rash and just really not sure what was going on. And within a couple of weeks, she got diagnosed with lupus. And then a week after we graduated, she passed away. Um, so it was like two months from the time of diagnosis to the time she passed, which is not normal for um, lupus. And so that when that happened, I really wanted to help, but I couldn't, I had, there was nothing that, uh, I could do to help. And, and that's when I was like, you know, shit, maybe I want to be a doctor and, um, found out that there's pre-medical post-bachelor programs, which is basically like taking your basic sciences, um, chemistry, biology, um, physics, and, then taking the MCAT. So I, I went to NYU for that. And so I went from like kind of living my dream life in Barcelona. I flew out on a Friday, got to New York and started class on Monday with um, all 18 year old freshmen at NYU. And so it was quite the, uh, the shock. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up you know, I was always interested in medicine, but that's kind of how I ended up back into it. Fair enough. I think there's always a a catalyst uh, towards these types of things. And we're so not like this here, but, you know, the audience continues to grow and you're going to attract all different types of people. And I like to represent those things because I, yes, I get that now you're in the functional space, but there is this, and I'm sure you've seen this, just such a ridiculous uh, battle still to this day between Western and functional, like one's better than the other or the other side's like evil or the other side's quackery. I'm like, guys, it is, uh, on one hand, I can count the amount of people that I met in the medical space in any capacity that got into this completely by accident. There is always something that they're here to do to help. 
and that's on both sides. So I just, I hope little messages like that really sink into people's heads so that we can stop battling with the different philosophies and actually focus on getting people better and yeah. combining the best of both worlds. You know, what a concept, but okay. So what eventually, you know, moves you into getting into functional medicine? Cause I know that's even more specific. So right. how did that happen? Yeah. I would have never dreamed that this is what I would end up doing. Like I, I would have said no way, no chance. Um, and it was treatment. So it was uh, treatment for alcoholism that opened my mind. Um, my treatment program was group therapy all morning. Um, in the afternoons, it would be things like nutrition and uh, meditation and yoga and exercise. And so acupuncture, all these things I'd kind of heard of but thought were kind of just phony. Um, but I saw this stuff working in my own life and the whole point of treatment, the thing that kind of shocked me the most, it, there was nothing to do about alcohol. It was all about like why, right? It was all about the underlying cause. So that was a very positive experience for me. And when I got back to residency, uh, when you're a family practice resident, you do different rotations every month. So you're constantly, um, learning from different attending doctors. They're all teaching you their own styles. They all have a little bit of a different approach. And there was a doctor who every time a patient was admitted to the hospital, he would start them on a multivitamin and vitamin D. And writing those orders was considered scut work because, um, you know, that that's just what we did as residents was kind of just doing all the paperwork and all these other things. And we would be upset. We'd be like, why, why are we wasting our time writing a multivitamin and vitamin D? Like, this is stupid. And one post-treatment, like one day I kind of asked him, I was just like, Dr. Botcher, like, why are you weird? What are you doing? And it, he was like, I'm studying something called functional medicine. And, and he opened up the website. This is at like 2 a.m. on a Sunday. And he showed me the website. He's like, it's all about the underlying cause like that. That's the whole point of it. And I was like, this sounds interesting. And as a resident, they require you to uh, do CMEs, continuing medical education. I had no clue what I really wanted to, to learn. So I was like, you know, screw it. I'll, I'll learn. I'll go check out this functional medicine conference. It sounds easy. Um, and within the first hour of going, um, I knew that like my career could never be the same. And it, it was all taught from like a biology, a biochemistry, a physiology, an anatomy level, like all of it just made sense. And I couldn't argue with it. Um, so it was, you know, my own story of recovery and just changing my outlook on life and being closed minded and, and thinking I had it all figured out to, getting humbled and then being introduced to this alternative way of thinking that uh, I just thought made a lot of sense. That's so cool that he was doing that. He's a multivitamin, vitamin D, great. That can seem like simple to some. And certainly in the functional space, when we get into highly complicated cases, rarely is that going to be a full uh, treatment right. plan. But it's actually, minus the vitamin D, I, although there's probably some in there at the time, that was the thing that got me into the natural space. I was unintentionally, um, you know, in this sales company, actually there for the sales. And one of the products was a very high potency organic multivitamin, like energy drink. And so I'm slugging these things down because we're doing the sales things all the time. 
And that was the first thing in 13 years minus Xanax that moved the needle for me with my mental health in the right direction. So significantly, in fact, that I thought it must be actually the new environment that I'm in. Oh, no, it's just these people. I love them. Well, the company kind of dies down. It was a MLM type of thing. And the people remained. They're still some of my best friends to this day. So the people were there. The environment was there. But my mental health came back. Our mental health issues came back. And certainly they weren't cured from just that alone. I mean, they were rather severe, but I had had nothing that helped this at all. It had just been for 13 years going down, 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 down. And then it was like, okay, wait a second. We can kind of go back up. You could have some days where you actually feel happy or uh, aren't dealing with anxiety. And so we can't forget the basics like that. That, that just is one. It should be 101 and it's still not. Right. We have no problem giving out medications, but we can't give the basic things that are so useful in all of our functions of the body. So I think that's cool that that person was doing that and that you had that experience at the conference where you knew this was just something um, different. So how long ago was that? Like, how long have you been in practice with the functional side? 2011. um, Oh, cool. So I started 10 years ago and I've been like in private practice for seven years since 2014. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of... um, There's a lot of natural health practitioners and naturopathic doctors, but the whole functional medicine to actually be a traditional MD and then also have that functional side, that's, let's be honest, I mean, that's relatively new. It's certainly building popularity. And so I think to be doing it then is kind of interesting. And that shows how uh, maybe why you were able to work with some of these individuals and just kind of get in. Um, Now, what was it like? I mean, where did you train exactly? Because it says you trained in the clinics with leaders in his field, uh, in the field, like Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Deepak Chopra, I thought it was awesome. And then um, Dr. Susan Blum. So what was that like uh, dealing with these individuals? Um, it was amazing. Um, I really, I, I didn't even realize, I don't think I even really comprehended like how important these people were. And I was just always someone that was, um, pretty motivated and, and, you know, tried hard. And so when I started going to the functional medicine conferences, I started meeting some of these people. I heard them giving the lectures And so I I would go and introduce myself and be like, hey, I'm Peter, I'm a resident. And I think that helped me a lot um, that I was so, so just starting my training as a doctor, really. Um, And I was like, you know, do you think that I could come shadow you? And luckily, my family medicine uh, residency program in Chicago was super supportive. My residency director had never heard of functional medicine, but he was like, you know, if you, this is what you're interested in, go ahead. So I got allotted um, a couple months to leave and it was kind of different times. But, and so it, I got to train, yeah, at the Ultra Wellness Center in Lenox, um, Massachusetts. Um, Dr. Hyman wasn't there most of the time that I was there. So I spent most of my time with Dr. Elizabeth Boham um, and Dr. Todd Lapine. And there was a third doctor there that's no longer there. Um, With Susan Blum, I I, I spent all my time with her. And then at the Chopra Center, um, Dr. Chopra, he makes an appearance, but he doesn't, he doesn't really practice. So there's three doctors there. Uh, Dr. Uh, Patel was the main one that I worked with that kind of run the clinic. And I had met them at functional medicine conferences. So they were kind of applying it on top of Ayurveda. Um, And 
it was just, I had all these big yellow legal pads and I just followed everybody around and just wrote down almost everything because sure. everything they were saying was new. It was different. I didn't understand it. I mean, I'd heard some of it at conferences, but I was like, I, I was just like lost, but just trying to not take as much as I could down so I can go back and look at it. And so I didn't just work with the doctors. I uh, sat in with their nutritionists, with their health coach, with their life coach. I would stop by the receptionist and kind of learn from them. And so I, I, everybody in these clinics was teaching me something. And I just, you know, like I said, I just kept, I was like a sponge and just kept asking right. questions and uh, learned a ton, learned, learned how to, you know, Learned a ton of, but at the same time, you know, I, I left, I finished residency and I started my own practice and you, I think that's difficult if I would have just stayed in the family practice world, but I was also going into the functional medicine world. Uh, and it, I mean, in reality, I kind of had no clue what I was doing, um, <laughs> to be honest when I started. Um, and so with the help of my patients, I figured it out. Sometimes that's how the best stories go. You know, <laughs> we're getting into stuff we have no idea what's happening. Then I don't mean to sound cliche or cheesy, but it is one of those truths that the dots always connect. Looking back, you can't necessarily see it during the time that it's happening. Make it till you make for, it. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I know that for functional medicine doctors, a lot of the times, I mean, you guys are seeing such a wide variety of people. So I'm curious: is that more the case in your? Uh, if I understand correctly, clinics, not just one clinic, or do you have a specific niche that you try to focus on? No, I see everybody. Um, okay, cool. So I work with infants with like skin issues. Um, I work with a, a, quite a bit of autistic families. Um, I've always had an interest in pediatrics just because I grew up with that with my mom. Yeah. Um, mostly it's like young adults with autoimmune disease. Um, and then, you know, into the, you know, elderly, um, whether it's, you know, autoimmune or chronic disease or whatever it, it's, uh, so I, I work with everybody, um, of all ages. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Then that's even more interesting. I mean, not that I love when people have their niche and that's great and all, but it is kind of cool to just work with all these people. Cause then there's usually like a system. So I'm curious when people are coming into the clinic, I know every functional medicine doctor is a little different. And I think it's great to learn from a variety of people. I mean, is there a set like kind of uh, your standard of labs that you're running or like if I come in with an autoimmune condition, just say any X, Y, Z one, like what is the general approach if I come to Dr. Cos? Yeah, it varies in everybody. Um, okay. The, the main underlying theme behind functional medicine is that it's individualized and mm -hmm. it, there are a lot of practitioners out there that just kind of follow protocols or do the same things for everybody. Uh, Cause it's easy, but before a patient comes to see me, they fill out like close to 40 pages of intake paperwork, yeah. which is a very, very, very detailed um, medical history. And so I review that before their visit. So I have an idea when I, when, you know, I've seen so many of these intake packets now that um, I have a pretty decent idea when somebody's coming in, what's what to look at. But it, like in my book and, and in life, I try to keep things simple and there's basically five main areas that we start looking, food, gut health, hormone imbalances, toxins, and mental, emotional, spiritual health. 
And so based on someone's history, we'll kind of decide of where to begin and their symptoms. Sure. Okay. So that makes sense. And I think of just about the only universal thing, maybe you could talk about like diet, but even everyone recommends different diet stuff. But one of the universal things that I've seen in the functional space is that everyone actually takes the time to do an in-depth intake, which is like, you know, when you go in, if I go in for most things in Western medicine, I think that's a missing thing for a lot of people with the more severe issues. I mean, that's not the first time I've heard at all that someone is doing a significantly long intake form. Yeah. Um, it's actually hilarious to me when I've heard stories of these doctors or practitioners sharing that the patients or clients are complaining about it. And I'm like, well, what are you coming here for? Like, yeah. obviously the system you're in right now isn't working for your conditions. You know, we need to do something different to get a different result. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I love that you're focusing on this, those different areas. I'd also be interested in wondering, I mean, what are the core themes that you are seeing in terms of maybe what people are in general doing wrong with their lifestyle? Like, are they already eating kind of well by the time they get to you? Or are they coming in with a standard American diet still? I don't see many people that have not already tried a lot. Um, Okay. Most patients that come to see me have been to uh, specialists a lot of times even like Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic or uh, like Northwestern or University of Chicago in Chicago. And they've then they've also been to some kind of alternative practitioner too, whether it's a functional mm-hmm. medicine like chiropractor, or acupuncture, or um, another uh, medical doctor. It they come in very like that's one thing about functional medicine patients uh they are extremely knowledgeable and yeah. uh they are very well researched so a lot of the time i'm actually getting people to expand their diets so i look at a lot of these diets and i'm like this is too restrictive like we need to do something you know you got to eat more different things and so And they usually think I'm kind of nuts because they're like, you know, I thought, you know, I have to be as restrictive as possible. And that that's not true in my experience. Okay, that's a refreshing statement for sure, because and I think this goes to show I have such a respect and kind of biased because I was in the system myself, like so was my mom. I have such a respect for these people that go through this and keep trying with all these different practitioners and doctors. And yeah, it's like you know, it's good to be enlightened about the idea that they don't need to be so restrictive, but I think it just goes to show to their discipline and willingness to get better. They're like, I'll do whatever it takes. Just someone, please show me the path. And that's, what's so sad because we see the same thing with FDN thrive. I mean, people come here and this is never, ever the first place they visited for their health issues ever. And it's sad, you know, it's sad that that's the case. And I, I really wish that we just lived in a world where uh, you know, let's take an autoimmune case, case for an example. I know that all too well for myself and my mom, especially. She ended up getting her thyroid removed. We didn't know any better and we didn't know about this stuff at the time. And I don't mean for cancer. I mean for Graves' disease. Mm-hmm. You know, the woman was eating standard American diet completely still and got her thyroid removed. That's just, that's insane to me uh, looking back that nothing was even recommended dietary wise, but not the point. That's if still standard diet- of care though in like the, reg- yeah, yeah, it is. In the regular medical yeah, world. Is. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, we'll treat it with the Synthroid or other drug. And then if that doesn't work, okay, well, it's coming out, you know, we'll flip you upside down and and get that. And, um, if someone came with an autoimmune disease and gets diagnosed, okay, go get diagnosed in Western. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Immediately. I think this person should have the ability and right to have the knowledge to work with both. Because I think what Western medicine was able to do for my mom initially 
was life changing yeah. to get her on synthetic thyroid hormone and get the, you know, 150 beat per minute heart rate that's going on to stop. That's important. Yes, yeah. that would not happen typically overnight with functional medicine. I fully admit that and recognize that. But then to, you know, send her through the system for six, seven years without any other recommendations, literally outside of, oh, you're a little too stressed to so try to stop that. And here's this medication. We'll change the dose. Those were the recommendations. Yeah. Oh, that didn't work. We'll take it out. It's like, holy crap, guys. Um, similarly, if someone gets a broken arm, guys, don't head to the herbalist, right? It's pretty stupid. Like, <laughs> go to the ER. Like, right. do what you're supposed to do. Right. It's all just about using the right systems at the right time and in the right amount, I think, really. Yeah. And I, that, I mean, I, I think that traditional medicine is amazing for acute care. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, like a broken bone, like a heart surgery or whatever, like when there's a, an accident for it, it's absolutely incredible what they can do in acute care. It's just yeah. chronic disease is, is where the model seems to be very broken. And that's where functional medicine should be in the forefront. I, I think, um, because I'd love your perspective on this, especially having gone through both. One of the things, especially as a younger guy who doesn't have any traditional like college background in anything for this, I just got my certifications and have my own story, read a ton of books, and I like PubMed, to be honest. That's a recreational activity for me. But, you know, one of the things I'm always trying to explain to people, because they believe me, they can see my physical results. Um, I also had like cystic acne, so I can show before and afters. And then they believe me with my, you know, subjective sharing about my um, experiences with mental health or whatever else. And they're still just like, well, why does this person that's you know 25 and maybe doesn't have even a medical degree, why can you help, but this doctor can't? And I'm like, guys, it's not, a, you're, you're taking the person. That's not the right thing. I think it's the system. And then they ask, well, why doesn't Western medicine do this? And this is where I'd really love your opinion because my answer to this has always been, I'm like, I don't think that system was created for chronic disease. I think it was created for the fact that when people used to get injured, we'd have to like amputate or you died. The infant mortality rate was like, I think 50% in the early 1800s. And I, I could be quoting that wrong, but I think that's actually accurate. It's something astronomical. That's what Western medicine was for. And then our Western lifestyle created all these chronic diseases. And now we're treating it with that system that was never created for that. Do you think that's accurate or wrong or have anything to add to that? Uh, sort of. I, I disagree. I sort of disagree. I sort of don't. And okay. I think that they've accomplished exactly what they wanted to accomplish. So I, I don't think that it's an accident that chronic disease is just skyrocketing year after year after year. Um, and so it goes back to my training, and this is my opinion, and there's going to be people that disagree. My training as a medical doctor, as a traditional medical doctor, was all about what drug to use when right? Mm -hmm. You, you learn the system, you learn what could go wrong with the system, and then you learn what medication can fix that. Right. And that, that's it. And all of, of medicine, you know, we, we use the term evidence-based and research-based and at the end of the day, the more studies you read, the more evidence-based studies always end in a medication. Because that's who has the money to pay for these studies. And so I think that they're getting exactly what they want, right? The profits just go higher and higher and higher every year. That I think their main objective is to get people sick. And I don't think they would admit that. 
but then after we get you sick, keep you alive as long as possible. Right. And because then you have a never ending customer. And so I had to spend a lot of time and money to learn a completely different way to look at medicine. Right. Yeah. What I mean, I had to spend a lot for medical school. But at the end of the day, that I was basically just paying the pharmaceutical industry to like teach me what drugs they wanted me to prescribe and so they can make money off of. I had to spend, you know, my own time and money to learn like, hey, nutrition matters. Hey, your gut's kind of important. Hey, all these environmental toxins that are uh, in our environment are destroying our bodies. And, and the reason that we don't is because most of the interventions that I use don't require medications, right? Mm -hmm. We, um, we use diets, we use supplements, we use lifestyle changes. I definitely use meds sometimes, but, um, it's usually for like hormonal issues, in which case I'm trying to use bioidentical hormones. Um, I do use DMSA as a chelator to detox from heavy metals. Um, but in general, you know, the, that again, that that's my experience, and, and the only way that I can make sense of why I never learned anything that I learned in functional medicine, which has helped so many people um, in my traditional medical setting. Well, I'll be straight up with you. I mean, I have nothing to lose. I'll put myself out there. I fully agree. Just be honest, man. I didn't think that you'd be bold enough to most, and that's just I'm generalizing most people, not you specifically. Didn't think you would say that on a podcast. So <laughs> props to you for sharing each. Well, be seriously, man. Yeah. It's one thing when I say it. It's another thing when someone who's actually been through that system comes through it and says, "Yeah, you know what? There's some there's something interesting going on here." Because that's the thing. If you actually look into this, it the only conclusion that you can come to is it doesn't make sense. It does, it does not, not make sense no. that yeah. Um, these people aren't stupid. Right. And just to be clear, I would hope that this is beyond obvious, but in the climate of the world today, people always like to misinterpret things. Right. So when we, when you were talking about, you know, this is exactly what they quote unquote wanted. Obviously you're not referring to the average doctor like yourself, correct? Dr. Cause we're going a little higher than that for sure. Yeah. You, you as doctor, no, I mean, as doctors, like, I mean, everybody I went to medical school with, and I mean, your goal is to help people, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And your our understanding growing up is like the way to be a doctor is to go to medical school. Um, and then once you're there, if you start disagreeing with what's being taught, you're not going to make it very far. So you, you kind of have to embrace it to make it. And I mean, I definitely going through it was not like thinking like, shit, this is all being taught from like a pharmaceutical profit perspective. But at the end of the day, most of it was. Um, but having that mindset going through it, I, you, I wouldn't have survived. I mean, I, I, I kind of got woken up after I got out of it. Um, sure. And so, I mean, a lot of my patients are working with other practitioners while they're working with me. So they're like, should I get rid of my rheumatologist or my gastroenterologist or my endocrinologist? And I'm like, no, but be careful about mentioning functional medicine because a lot of my patients have gotten yelled at, laughed out of the office, fired, um, just ridiculed. So, and that goes back to, again, this is my opinion and my experience, but like 
doctors are pretty ego based, right? And I, I mean, I was as ego based as you can get. And there, <laughs> there's no way to offend someone like that more than to talk about something that they don't know about when they should be an expert in health. Hmm. So you throw out, you know, candida or SIBO or, or lead toxicity. And I didn't, I, if I had never taken a functional medicine course, I would have laughed at you too. I would have been like, no one ever taught me that. I, I'm a doctor. I pass all my exams. I, you know, I'm a licensed medical doctor. Like if that was mm-hmm. a real thing, I would know about it, you know, but wow. yeah, um, that wouldn't be the case if I didn't go through functional medicine training. I love the, I love intuitive interviewing is what I call it. And what I mean is, you know, it's a genuine conversation where I have just enough background to make informed questions, but I like to just go with the flow and and let it see where it takes us. And I'm so glad it went here today. And I I really seriously appreciate you being willing to come in on, uh, come on and just share what it is and just talk about it because everyone speculates, but it's like, no, this is a person who went through the system. And yes, I would assume it would have been completely obvious that you weren't talking about fellow doctors considering you were I mean, you are a doctor, but everyone likes to pick that apart. And I think that's where, you know, they use the phrase evil genius. I think that's where the genius behind this is because the system that they're being taught is being taught uh, is being taught to really good people. And then the battle is between these really good people on the Western side and the really good people on the functional side. And everyone looks crazy and mean and angry. And, you know, someone at the top making billions of dollars just laughs their butt right. off that you idiots are fighting back and forth when, you know, they got exactly what they wanted, like you said. A, a simple one too, outside of the pharmaceutical industry is the food industry. And I don't know if there, there's a book called like salt, sugar, and fat. Yeah. That was, I, um, that was one of the first health books I read like seven, eight years ago. <laughs> Michael it, Moss, mate. It, it talks about how like these big corporations, I don't remember which ones they, they point out in the book, whether it was like Kraft or McDonald's, how they, they invested a lot of money into scientists that were researching how to make these foods addictive, right? So that's not in, in our public's best interest to, to like go to McDonald's because it's a cheap meal or, or get some mac and cheese because it's cheap and be fooled by the marketing that this is something good for you. And then on top of that, they're chemically altering it to make you addicted to it so they can continue with their profits. I mean, it, it's kind of terrifying. So um, that's that's an example outside of the drug industry that the food industry is pretty involved as well. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is not a secret. Yeah. yeah Just no, so people not. are aware. This isn't some deep conspiracy. This right. is really like very easy to find information on. Right. You know, right. you're not going to necessarily talk about it um, in middle school or high school or even college, but yeah, this exists. It's a major thing. And um, it was Michael Moss for those interested. So it's salt, sugar, yes. fat, Michael Moss. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I believe, uh, I mean, it was a while ago that I read it. I think one of the things that you were referring to was actually called like, the, is it the sweet spot where they find like this perfect amount of sweetness and they know it releases all this dopamine yep. in the brain of like the rats and the people. And it's like, Guys, yeah, this is downright manipulative. Yeah. I mean, this is scary yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they're going to advertise it with these fun little pictures and celebrities and uh, what do you call that? Like little mascots for kids and then get your kid addicted. So now every time you go to the store, the kids complaining because they want that thing. Like they're an addict to some degree. And someone has studied to allow that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I get everyone's got to make a living, but um, 
I would have a few questions for right. anyone that actively participates in those studies and, you know, helps to produce those things. That would be for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> definitely an interesting podcast. I love this. Uh, a terrifying it up own, uh, like personal patient stories. I worked with a food scientist for a major uh, food company who was testing foods that we eat every day. And she had some of the highest heavy metal levels I'd ever seen. Okay. And, you know, Just and that's someone that's designing yeah. our food. Yeah. Speaking of, um, you know, clients, because that's, we got about, you know, uh, eight, nine minutes left in the show. And I want to make sure we get to a few things where people can find you and stuff like that. But if, if we can, if there's something that stands out with this and to the degree that you're, you know, um, ethically able to share it, I'd love to know about maybe like a great client testimonial or someone that's came to you after, you know, going down this cycle of trial and error, trying all these different people, and then they finally get to you and have some great results. Is there someone that sticks out and what did that look like? So, I mean, on, unlike our Google page for my business, we have over a hundred reviews of, of stories of people that, that healed. So uh, there's a lot out there that people can read. Um, in my book, um, in almost every chapter, um, I go through a patient story. Um, one story is working with an autistic family that the, the child had basically like one or two words and now like has full conversations and like plays baseball with his dad. Um, <laughs> the, a woman that came to me for infertility that now her son's a few years old, uh, eczema, um, Hashimoto's. I mean, there's a lot of gut stories in there cause it's a book about gut health. Um, and then a cool kind of cool one is, is the recipes in my book. So, um, the recipes are in my book are written by a patient of mine who has been in remission from rheumatoid arthritis for six years now. And wow, that is cool. <laughs> yeah. So we, we kind of became friends. She had invited me to do some talks. And when I write, started writing my book, I really wanted my book to just be different. And I was like, Hey, would you, she's a chef. And so we did some cooking events together and stuff. And I was like, Hey, would you write the recipes? So she did. And they're, they're fantastic. And at the same time, she wrote a little story of what it was like to come in to see me, how overwhelmed she was feeling, like what her emotions were, how confused she was about all these changes in diet and then how she kind of put it together. So, uh, definitely a lot of stuff in my book about, about that. Well, that segues perfectly into my next thing. Where can people find you? Where can they find the book? What's the name of the book? I want you to shout out everything and we'll make sure they're in the show notes. So my book is called Unfunk Your Gut and it's funk with a C. Um, and that comes from, we had a saying, we have a saying in my practice that we put the funk in functional medicine. Um, <laughs> so that, that's where I came up with Unfunk Your Gut. Um the book is available everywhere that you get books um, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble. Your local book retailer can order it. They probably don't have it in stock, but they can definitely get it. Um, and for me, contacting me, my, my website is doc-coz.com, D-O-C-K-O-Z.com. Um, I have an Instagram that's doc underscore cause, and then like a Facebook page. That's just my name, Peter Kozlowski, MD. Um, and so that my assistant Jasmine, she's incredible. Um, she has been with me for a long time and, and really kind of walks people through any questions they have before they schedule a visit. Um, 
her phone number is, is listed on our website and, uh, or you can email us and get the process started. Sweet. All right. So Dr. Cos, we always finish up with the same question on this podcast. And I know that like everyone that comes on, you probably, well, you said yourself, we recognize the individualized approach with this. So humor me here. It's more of a general principle that we're looking for. The question is, if Dr. Cos had a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health or get them to stop doing one thing, perhaps, what is the one thing that you'd get them to do? Eat nine to 12 servings of vegetables and fruit a day. It, the average American eats like one to three. Um, there's so many benefits to fruits and vegetables. Um, each color of, of the plant you eat is amazing. But at the same time, when you're eating that many servings of fruits and vegetables, you don't have room for all the other junk. Right. So it's a simple, but not simple way to clean up your diet just because like our traditional American breakfast of pancakes and cereal and French toast and pop tarts, no vegetables, our traditional lunch of hot dog, pizza, sandwiches with iceberg lettuce, which doesn't count. Um, and then like, we have like a side of broccoli with dinner, like that, that's our kind of typical American diet. Um, but if you start, you know, focus on three servings for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it'll completely change the way you eat and it'll completely change your health. What are we on now? Like episode 70 something. And there are still unique answers to our signature question. I find that remarkable. I think that's so interesting that there's still something new coming out all the time. I was a little skeptical actually to start asking that question in the beginning, but because once you ask, you kind of have to commit. And I was like, you know what, whatever. And here we are, it kind of worked out and I cannot wait to create an episode one day. It has to be at something significant. It's either going to be, well, I'm not going to tell you guys when it's going to be, but it's going to be just a compilation of all of those. And certainly that'll be like a little bit of a different type of episode to listen to, but I think it will be fun to kind of hear the consistencies and maybe I'll give some feedback over what I heard and learned from you know, just kind of reviewing all of those and listening to them again. But anyway, man, just thanks again to Dr. Peter Kozlowski uh, for coming on and just that guy's direct, man. He is blunt. He's telling you what it is and he is no BS, just getting right to business. I love individuals like that. And I so appreciate his story. Um, It's unique, to be honest, like many people have these like severe chronic health issues that end them in the end them up in the uh, functional health space. And, you know, obviously he dealt with his stuff, but it wasn't the normal thing that we typically hear. And yet he is so successful in it. And I think that just goes to show, I mean, it's not like he said this himself, but I, I would hope this is obvious to anyone in the audience. This guy seems like he's pretty darn brilliant. <laughs> so I want to thank you guys again for listening to yet another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram, by the way. I don't mention that nearly enough. We're at FDN Thrive over there. And if you like the information that we're sharing, if you like the guests that we're bringing on, and you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would love you even more than we already do. Just search the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive on you guessed it, Apple Podcasts. I hope you guys have a great weekend and I'm looking forward to talking again next week. Take care for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. 